The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. This is Mayor Sheldon Neely, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Show. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. My guest this hour is uh, returning as promised. You know, a lot of times I have guests on the show, and we talk about, yeah, we should get back and do this again, especially authors. I say, you know, when the next book comes out, let's do this again. And I got an email from... Uh, my next guest who said, hey, the next book's out if you want to, you know, get together and talk about it. And it's so nice to have somebody actually follow through like that and keep me in the loop. And I appreciate it very much. Um, he has a new book called um, Red River Reunion. And uh, we're going to talk about that. And uh, I, I think it's part of a series, but we'll get on all of that with the author, John Lane, who joins me by phone. Hi, John. Welcome to the show. Hello, Tom. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, depending upon what time zone we're in, and it's uh, fantastic <laughs> to be back with you this year. Um, now, the uh, the book, it's, it's actually uh, part of a series? Yes, sir, it is. This is book number two uh, in what was initially uh, planned to be a trilogy, but the uh, response that I've gotten has been uh, very, very uh, nice. So, uh, it looks like it's going to be a series now as I'm looking at concepts for books four and five. And that book is actually released today. That is correct. Uh, we are uh, fast and furious uh, here in the home office this morning, and I couldn't be happier. Uh, the book Red River Reunion uh, does release today. Now, you had, forgive me, what was the name of, uh, of the first book in the series? Uh, the first book is called Gunslingers. And uh, it, uh, it took place in uh, North Texas, uh, the uh, Indian Territories, which is now Oklahoma. And that took place, the setting was uh, the summer of 1877. Book two here, Red River Reunion, uh, takes place in the fall of that same year, 1877. But isn't, uh, isn't that title, uh, Red River Reunion, a little on the nose, getting everybody back together again for another book? <laughs> that is correct. Uh, that, that is correct. That's the reunion part uh, that does uh, uh, bring the two main characters in the first book back together, and they're joined uh, by some new characters and some old uh, from the first book. Now, 
you're writing about is this uh what how did you get so fascinated with the old west well i i grew up uh front and center with it um both of my parents uh, really, really enjoyed the Western genre, uh, which was, was pretty typical of, of their generation, really. I mean, that was in the 50s, actually the 40s, 50s, uh, early 60s. And I joined uh, the mix, uh, you know, there as a young boy in, in following the Western genre, both in film uh, and on television. And then uh, as I got a little bit older and I started reading more, uh, I, I started, you know, reading the books. And it's just, it's something that I absolutely love. Uh, I, I, I'm here in Texas, and we still have a very strong uh, Western feel in, in many parts of the state. So it's just something that I'm passionate about, and I'm very comfortable in that setting, in that genre, and uh, I love writing about it. You know, a couple of uh, cable channels have started playing all the old Westerns that I grew up with, and I, I've been watching some of them uh, Gunsmoke and Bonanza and a half a dozen others, uh, Wanted Dead or Alive, there's just a few that come to mind. And it really takes me back, John. It, you know, I remember, I think it was Saturday afternoons that, you know, were dedicated to Western-themed shows, The Lone Ranger and others, you know, usually in syndication, but some of them uh, current. Um did you have that same experience growing up watching uh, Zorro and the Lone Ranger and all of those things that had that sort of Southwest theme? Oh, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. And, and I agree with you. I, I, I do recall uh, Saturday afternoons, and I recall some Sunday afternoon uh, movies, uh, you know, back before the, the cable explosion, <laughs> you know, right. when they only had four channels. and. Uh, you know, one of the channels always seemed to have a Sunday afternoon movie, and uh, oftentimes uh, that was a Western. And uh, I recall uh, seeing, seeing those films and, and certainly watching those television shows. Uh, you mentioned The Lone Ranger. I remember The Cisco Kid very clearly. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was something that really stuck in my mind. And uh, I, I just really enjoyed, you know, all of those, all of those shows and, and the whole premise I'm really surprised when I, you know, take a little time and watch some of those shows, how caught up I get in the shows and in the themes of the, uh, of the Old West. Um, are you finding, and, and it takes me back, you know, to, to a different time, um, but I wonder how, how young people are reacting to your books and, you know, why those themes still seem relevant? You know, that, that's, that's a real interesting uh, thought and question. And, uh, you know, most of the uh, folks that uh, meet with me during my appearances where I do book signings and I do some book sales, uh, you know, person to person, most of the folks are, are a little bit older. And when I say a little bit older, I, I mean they're not uh, young kids in their 20s. Although uh, I can tell you that I have had uh, a few uh, teenagers come in and say that they're interested in finding out more about this because the Western genre is getting a little bit of an uptick in popularity on some of those uh, streaming channels and, and cable channels. Uh, there are a number of contemporary Westerns out there uh, 
that uh, are very popular right now, both in uh, what, what we used to call and what you mentioned, syndication. Now they just run it as, you know, another streaming from shows that may have been popular four or five years ago uh, up to currently right now. Uh, there are a couple of real popular Western shows. So all of a sudden, you know, some of the younger generation, the folks in the, in the late teens, 20s, and, and 30s, uh, they're starting to think about, you know, the Old West a little bit. And, you know, the storylines in those Old Westerns really were contemporary storylines. I mean, they're, they're timeless storylines. It just happened to be set in, in, in a Western genre, you know, back in the 1800s, back in the 1870s, 80s, that sort of thing. It's, it's funny you say that because, um, you know, one of my favorite television shows uh, from back then was not a Western. It was uh, Star Trek. And it did the same thing. It dealt with very contemporary themes, but with this space backdrop. And, in fact, um, I, I read somewhere that Gene Roddenberry, when he was developing that program, the working title was Wagon Train to the Stars. <laughs> you know, I hadn't heard that. And, and you know, Star Trek, the, the original uh, Star Trek, that was something that I remember my father watching uh, all the time, and, and he wasn't a huge television show uh, fellow, but uh, boy, we, we saw that Star Trek uh, all the time, and, and I'm not surprised at all uh, that Roddenberry, you know, may have wanted to do that, particularly in the era, in the time that that had hit the television uh, airwaves, and, uh, you know, moving up a little bit, you know, more recent, George Lucas, uh, you know, the father of Star Wars, he basically said that Star Wars is a Western in space. And uh, he was influenced mightily by the Westerns uh, of the 50s and 60s. And, and uh, that's where he got a lot of his backstory thoughts on bringing Star Wars to, uh, to life. So uh, the, the, the storylines that we see in the old Westerns uh, really do continue on. And yes, they're made with maybe a fresh look today, but uh, they've always been there. And it's, uh, it's, it, it's exciting to be part of that right now. Do you think we're we're maybe in some ways telling the same stories and just updating them from era to era? Are we, you know, are are, are we watching Shakespeare when we watch Bonanza? I think there's some truth to that. Uh, you know, I had I had somebody tell me years ago. Uh, there's a phrase out there. You've probably heard it. Maybe many of our our listeners have too. That everything under the sun has already been done. And, uh, you know, basically we are reliving uh, many of the storylines that had been told uh, years, maybe decades, maybe a century ago and, and beyond. And, you know, the real challenge for those of us in the entertainment industry today, if you will, is to try and put a fresh approach, a fresh spin on something uh, to bring in the modern audience, the modern reader in my case, the, the modern viewer in television and film. But, uh, yeah, they, these, these stories, uh, they've, they've been told, or at least part of them have been told before. Uh, I don't think there's any question about that. And that's one of the reasons why folks like yourself say that watching these older shows or reading a book such as mine takes you back in time uh, because it reminds you of of experiences you may have had or different stories that you may have read or different films that you may have watched. And, and I think right now in, in 2020, I think that uh, that's a good thing for folks. 
Hey, speaking of 2020, and I, I recently heard an expression that I think I'll be using for years to come, being 2020'd. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when we spoke last, John, you had just come out with the, the first book in this series, Gunslingers, and it was it was a very different time, and it was less than a year ago, you know, and this has been a very strange year, and it's a particularly tough year to come out with a new book, um, especially if you enjoy, as you do, doing book signings and meeting people and getting that that feedback in person from people are you still able to do that or have you been able to start doing that to promote this book um or or are you still having um like like some writers i've talked to having to try and do appearances uh, online by skype and zoom and so on Yes, sir. I, I, I've been caught up in that tornado of, uh, of despair in 2020 also, uh, no question about it. When, when uh, you know, things started to uh, shut down and so forth back in March, I had a tour set up that was continuing on with my first book, and then I was going to be introducing uh, Red River Reunion here. And uh, all of that, of course, got canceled, shut down. And uh, I do enjoy, uh, one of the reasons why I, I became a writer is I wanted to get out there and, and I wanted to see some, some feedback from folks, whether it be good, bad, indifferent, and I really do enjoy that. And unfortunately, uh, I'm, I'm having to do a lot of virtual things, just like everybody else in business, it seems. Uh, you know, today, for example, I'll be uh, doing two virtual uh, appearances uh, on social media and uh, you know, talking about the book launch, whereas a year ago when Gunslingers came out, I had an actual gathering of people. Uh, you know, we had a book launch party, if you will, a, a gathering where we celebrated the launch of the book, and and that of course can't happen this year. So it, it is very disappointing. Yeah, I, I I would think, and um, and of course I'm curious about how long the process. Uh, takes from book to book it's been a year since uh, the first book in the series came out now book two is coming out today um and and it takes a while to get a book written and edited and to go through the publishing process before it actually is released as uh, red river reunion is being done today um which begs the question is book three written <laughs> Actually, I'm, I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, book three, I'm putting the final touches on the first draft of book three. So basically, book three is finished in the first draft form. And as you mentioned, I had a the, uh, the, uh, the process after that first draft is completed, really that's when the hard work, if you will, begins because the rewrites, the trying to enhance uh, the story, trying to enhance the reading, and then the editing process and the publication process that you mentioned does take many, many months, uh, especially for somebody like me. My publisher is Labrador Publishing, a wonderful small publishing company. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's not uh, a conglomerate. It's not uh, John, one of the, I, the I hate to interrupt, but we're coming right up against a break. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? Yes, sir, I can. John Lane is my guest, and we'll be right back. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com. Call us at at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. The Tom Sumner Program.com. 
Hello, this is State Senator Jim Ananick, and you're listening to Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Uh, we continue now with my conversation with uh, author John Lane. John, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. Oh, thank you very much. Now, um, when we spoke uh, last fall, we were talking about your, your first book. Um, what was different about writing the, uh, the second book after having uh, been published with the first of what is now becoming a series? Well, the, the first book took much longer to, uh, to write for me. Uh, it, uh, it took a lot of research. While my books are definitely fiction, uh, they are based on uh, historical fact. In other words, the, the setting, the, the climate, the conditions, and so forth. And so I found myself uh, doing a, a great deal of research. And uh, that takes, of course, uh, extra time. And as I, as I moved through that book, I, I had a little bit of a slower process, uh, partly because of that, partly because of uh, the, uh, the book being my debut novel and, uh, and such. So uh, that one took me a while. Book number two, I had most of my research set because uh, book number two, as I mentioned, takes place uh, just a few months after book one, uh, from summer to fall of 1877. And it's still set in North Texas along the the North Texas border in the Red River, which uh, does divide Oklahoma from from Texas. So uh, that allowed me to just concentrate more on the story. And uh, I had the concept of book two pretty much set before I even finished book one. So that was also uh, helpful in letting me move through uh, book two a little bit uh, more uh, efficiently. Now, during the last segment, you were talking about this uh, story being set in fall of the same year that Gunslingers is set. Um, how does the passing of a season create uh, the opportunity for a reunion? Well, <laughs> the, 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 end of, the end of book one uh, basically sees the two main characters, U.S. Deputy Marshal Luxton Danner, and in book one, former Texas Ranger Wes Payne, Part ways, uh, they each have their own lives to go back to. Uh, Marshall Danner has to go back to Fort Smith, Arkansas, and uh, take care of business there, and 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 pretty much, uh, you know, put in his reports as to what transpired uh, in in his mission, if you will, in that first book. And uh, West takes off uh, back toward uh, a town called Buffalo Gap, where he kind of sort of makes his home base. Uh, and then several months pass, and, and a small town, a fictional town called Range on the banks of the Red River, uh, starts to get harassed and, and uh, such by uh, outlaws that are crossing over from the Indian territories, Oklahoma area. They come across the Red River, and, uh, you know, they, they uh, do some dastardly things in the town. And so the town, instead of just packing up and leaving like a lot of settlers did, uh, they sort of fought back, and they, they contacted the Texas governor and asked for Texas Ranger help and the U.S. Marshal's office and asked for a deputy. And because of personnel shortages, uh, and, and it seems like we still have those today, uh, particularly in that uh, profession, uh, Marshal Danner is dispatched to Range, and Wes Payne, who has rejoined the Texas Rangers, uh, is dispatched to range, and it's unknowing. The two, of course, communication back then, there was uh, some telegraph wire and that sort of thing, but 
they don't know each other is, is heading for this uh, rendezvous or reunion, if you will, uh, in the town of Range. And, and uh, they meet up there with a couple of other surprise characters, and, and the story takes off from there. We also kind of uh, forayed into uh, talking about how uh, the way stories are told and retold and, and updated. As, as an author, um, and especially now with, with a series and you have these identified characters that you're going to follow from book to book, um, where do the ideas come from? How do you come up with new stories to tell or ways of, of telling maybe familiar lessons in a different way? You know, a lot of folks ask me that. A lot of folks ask me that. That's the one thing that, that they seem to want to know because many people tell me, oh, I would love to write a book, but I just I, I can't even think about, you know, a story more than a page, let alone 400 pages. And, and for me, I can tell you that constantly, I constantly have different stories going through my mind. I have ideas for different characters, and then I start thinking about, well, how do I want their backgrounds to be? Uh, where is where is the next story going to be? Well, I already kind of know. It's it's just kind of there for me. I really don't have uh, any type of scientific explanation for it. Uh, it's just constantly I've got that going through my mind. If I'm having a long drive uh, somewhere, I, I don't uh, you know I don't have music on usually. I'm I'm with my thoughts. If I'm if I'm exercising or something, I, I don't use headphones. I'm, I'm listening to my own thoughts. And, uh, and that's really how it works for me. Uh, I don't know if uh, you know, that's something that is uh, common with writers or, or not, but for me, uh, that, that's just, it's constant. I constantly have these, these ideas, and that's why I mentioned uh, I've already got an idea for book four and for book five, and I don't know which one I'm going to write first. <laughs> so you're not sure which one is four and which one is five? That's correct. Um, well, let me let me ask you this. Um, when you have characters um, like the ones that we got to know in Gunslingers and you bring them back in subsequent books like the one released today, Red River Reunion, um, how, much of, how much of telling the story is getting to know more about these people? How much more is there to flesh out about the characters? Or um, in, a, in a debut novel, do you pretty much lay out everything? No, actually, uh, that, that's, that's a great point. That is a challenge. But again, it's, it really is a, it's a process that, uh, like, like those of us that, that go through life, I mean, things change experiences happen and so forth and so there's always something that can be told uh, a little bit later it, it, unless you leave it all out there in in one book or in one film uh, if you put everything out there then it's going to be very difficult to try and move along but uh, the thought process in in gunslingers book one as i mentioned it, it took me almost three years from the time i started writing to the date of, of release and uh, so there, there was a lot of thought going in as to how much am I going to say about my main character, Luxton Danner, and then where are the other characters going to fall? Are they going to be uh, returning characters in future books, or is this a one-and-done situation? 
And, you know, when you've got a lot of Western action and, and there are some gunfights and things like that, uh, some characters are going to perish. So that decision had to be made pretty much in advance, or at least I had to have the thought process. But as I say that, uh, some of my characters actually develop while I'm writing a chapter. I just, the story is taking itself in a direction, and I'm writing along, and all of a sudden, here comes another character that I had no plan for at all. <laughs> <laughs> just like in real life, right, Dan? Just Jen? like in real life. Yes, um, sir, just like in real life. You know, I can't help wondering, because of, you know, some of what we've said about the impact of television and movies uh, on us when we were young and westerns were a big thing for a period of time um do you when you're writing these do you picture them almost like like movies playing out and and would you like to see these stories told in on television or or in film oh absolutely uh, one of the one of the number one compliments I can receive from one of my readers is when they tell me, John, I can, I can see the movie as I'm reading the book. Uh, that, that means that I'm doing my job in giving the reader a vision uh, in their mind so that they can participate, if you will. Uh, the, the challenge for myself as a writer, and I know in speaking with other writers, uh, this challenge is, is shared by many, it's, it's our job to try and create these images for our readers so that they can sort of be there and participate in the story. Uh, granted, as a reader, as a viewer, but uh, uh, I would absolutely love to see uh, these books uh, come to the uh, small screen or big screen. As a matter of fact, this gives me an opportunity to tell you that uh, my agent has already advised me that Red River Reunion will be turned into a screenplay. So. Uh, I don't know if that means it's going to make it to film or television. That's just step number one. But uh, we're going to start working on the screenplay for Red River Reunion in January. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, I would think. I would think. Um, the other thing that I think about is when I think of Westerns, I think of them as being, you know, very, um, very visual and and very much playing out outside out of doors um, horse rides gunfights uh, you know views of mountain vistas and you know there's there's just something um, really grand about the visual images associated with uh, westerns and I wonder if that if, if reading these stories wouldn't be kind of rewarding to people who are feeling a little bit COVID fatigued and a little bit uh, claustrophobic. That's that's one of the promotional lines that uh, we're trying to you know get out there. And and you're absolutely correct. Uh, anyone who has any knowledge at all about Western stories, Western television, Western films, they're they're very majestic. Uh, it, it is outdoors. They're they're. There isn't uh, a whole lot of everything, you know, in one building or even one town oftentimes. So uh, those, those challenges in writing is, is uh, really um, front and center for me because I do try and uh, even describe the sun shining in different ways and, and the sky and whether it's day, night, and so forth. And, 
And uh, I, I would like to think that uh, folks now who are staying home uh, much more, like we all are, even those of us uh, here in Texas that were able to get out a little bit, we're still uh, restricted in, in many ways. So uh, I would like to think that this is an avenue for folks to escape, if you will, um, at your own pace. You can escape. You can get. You can pick up the book and you can read it as long as you like or as short as you like, and get back to it when you can or when you want to. So, uh, unlike uh, unlike a movie in in particular. So, uh, I think that that's beneficial, and and I'm hoping it's beneficial. Uh, you know, for a number of reasons. Yeah, it just it just seems like it'd be such a uh, such a great escape for people that are, you know, feeling a little pent up. I sure hope so. Uh, that uh, that would be awfully nice, and and not only would that you know promote sales and such, which of course we're we're always wanting to do, but uh, you know it it would provide that that outlet for for folks. And uh, I would love to hear feedback from them if it does that for them. I, I would love to hear that feedback, and I I can be easily found uh, on my website, and there's a contact information there, and so forth. And we'll make sure and share that before we wrap things up, John. But uh, um, now that bookstores are starting to uh, reopen, and, and a lot of them have been open for a few weeks, um, I'm, I'm still curious about an online presence. Are you seeing a lot more activity online than from booksellers? Um, yes, 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 we are. Uh, you know, overall... Uh, book sales have have gone online a great deal. Uh, I think we all know why, and um, so that that activity is is you know much more advanced, if you will, much quicker than than the actual bookstores. But I can tell you that uh, I've got several bookstores here in North Texas that have been kind enough to carry the book for me. Uh, I've been able to meet the owners, independent bookstore owners, and such. And uh, they say that, that sales are, are very good. So uh, that's happening also. Uh, but overall, sales are a little bit down because of, of, of the COVID situation. But uh, when people come in, and, and they're starting to come in more and more, uh, the, the sales are, are picking up. So uh, online still is outdoing uh, the bookstores, at least in the data that I have for, for my book. Uh, and uh, I understand from... Uh, some of the other authors that I communicate with, that it's the same situation for them. Are you able to um, concentrate uh, full-time on writing and, and promoting books? No, actually I, I, I'm not. Uh, I, I have a, another job and uh, that I have to uh, uh, contend with. And uh, so writing for me, basically I used to say that, that writing was a part-time uh, endeavor for me, but that's no longer true. It, it is a full-time endeavor, but it's almost as though I have two full-time jobs now. Uh, so if uh, Red River Reunion uh, is as successful as I hope it is, then I will be able to uh, concentrate 100% uh, of my, my thoughts and efforts on that. And that, that's the ultimate goal, to do that sooner than later. When you're writing, especially with uh, you know being in a situation where your books are starting to sell and you know as you become more and more successful with this um, it it takes more time and energy and and creates this 
two full-time job life that you're living um is there added pressure to produce when you sit down to write to make the most of the time you have yes <laughs> there's there's no other way to put it <laughs> no no colorful uh, explanation there uh, there there's no question that the the pressure is uh, a little bit higher and uh and some of that is you know, myself, putting it on myself. I, I'm, I'm not saying that uh, the outside pressures are, are greater. Uh, my, my agent, my, my publisher is, is very, very, uh, very writer-friendly and, and so forth. And uh, so I, I don't have that. You know, we, we set deadlines and so forth, but uh, I'm usually able to make those uh, without any problem. But, uh, yes, the, the pressure to uh, get after it here in the home office uh, is much higher than it used to be, no question. And, and I would think um, that that would cause you to be a very disciplined writer. Um, do you think of yourself that way, as, as being a very disciplined writer? Yes, sir, I do. Uh, I, I, I'm, I feel that I'm a disciplined individual. I try and stay as organized as possible, sometimes to my detriment, but... Uh, I have to be that way, uh, otherwise I, I could not, I, I couldn't function, uh, you know, in, in the lifestyle that I'm, I'm uh, living right now. So uh, I do consider myself a disciplined writer, and, and like I say, I, I utilize my time. I, I'm constantly, if I'm not thinking about a concept of a story, I'm thinking about what I call a scene, and that would be a chapter in the book, and... Uh, I'll even be driving down the road uh, going to and from uh, my other job or to the store or whatever the case might be, and I'm thinking I've got dialogue between two characters going back and forth in my mind. Uh, and no, I, 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 I'm not able to write anything down. Obviously, I'm driving. I've tried using a recorder, uh, but I find that when I'm talking into the recorder, it interrupts my thought process, <laughs> so uh, that hasn't worked. But uh, I get enough of what I want to convey, what I want to do, so that when I do get back to uh, the keyboard, I'm I'm able to put it together. So I, I'm I'm just constantly, you know, trying to utilize whatever time I have to uh, commit to to my writing and and to my uh, my book work, basically. Or do you write uh, um, from notes and and uh an outline, or do you just sit down and start telling a story? Both. Uh, I would say that the, the, the bulk of my writing is I just sit down and I start telling the story. Uh, as I mentioned, I'll have something in my mind. I have a scene kind of put together just in my mind, and I'll start writing it, and I'll let that scene go in the direction wherever it needs to go. There are occasions where I will, you know, traditional pad and, and pencil. I, I prefer to write in pencil. That's that's part of my part of my generation, but uh, I will I will take notes down, sometimes as many as a page or two. That's very rare, but I will do that. Uh, primarily if I have the time and I have, you know, pad and, and paper and, and pencil together and I can do that, uh, I will. So it's both but primarily uh, it's it goes from the thought process right to the keyboard uh, that way. 
Now, do you think the pace, uh, you know, we're looking at uh, book one, Gunslingers, your debut novel, and now the uh, the follow-up, part two of the series, Red River Reunion. You mentioned, uh, as we've been talking, that book three is written and, and you're trying to decide which is going to come next, book four or book five. Um, <laughs> do you see the the writing accelerating or do you expect each of these installments to be about a year i expect each installment to be about a year uh whether or not i'm doing it full-time or or full-time a if you will um but it, it seems like you know the entire process to do it the the correct way and and really the editing process takes such a long period of time uh, to, to make sure that you, you put out as clean a book as you can. And uh, it, it seems like it's about a year process uh, for me. Now, I can tell you that uh, if, I had, uh, if I had full-time commitment to just writing, yes, the writing itself would accelerate. And I may be able to you know, trim a couple of months off of the process. Uh, I think that would happen. But at the same time, I feel I have to be careful. You don't want to rush through something too quickly because, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't want to put out an inferior product. So uh, that's when the rewrites might come through. Uh, draft, the first draft might go much quicker, but then the rewrite comes back and, and I'll read it again and it's like, no, I can do a better job with this. No, I need to describe this better. Uh, my reader is not going to understand what I'm trying to say. I know what I'm trying to say because I said it. But uh, so, so that process then, there might be, you know, instead of one or two rewrites, there might be three or four. If gotcha. That first draft goes, you know, quickly. Well, John, we're just about out of time, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite you back when the next book comes out, as I did before, and I hope you'll you'll be as steadfast about uh, keeping me in the loop as you were this time. I really appreciate getting a chance to talk with you again and I wish you the best of the luck with the book. Uh, as you know, I always give guests an opportunity to let listeners know where they can find out more about you and your writing, past, present, and future. You mentioned you have a website. What, what is the website, John? Uh, you can reach me at John Lane Fiction. Dot com and Lane is spelled L-A-Y-N-E, uh, and uh, you can contact me through there. Uh, I'm also on Facebook at John Lane Fiction uh, on Facebook, uh, social media, and I can be reached through my publisher, and that's Labrador, like the dog, LabradorPublishing.com, uh, and uh, those uh, those are the ways that, that you can find me, and if uh, you... Uh, as if my reader wants to uh, contact me and discuss some things, uh, we, can, we can do it then, and I welcome that. Well, John, I, I really appreciate getting a chance to talk with you again. Thank you for spending this time with me this morning. Well, thanks, Tom, and don't worry. Uh, I will be diligent. You're one of my favorite people. I love your show, <laughs> and uh, we'll talk again when uh, book three comes out. Great. Thanks. And Thank good you, luck sir. with the book. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Take care. You too. That was author John Lane. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back with the final segment of today's show.
Hey, <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now, and now, and now too, and even now. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. Take the following everyday steps to help avoid the spread of all respiratory viruses. Wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. Cover your cough or sneeze with a tissue. Throw the tissue away and then wash your hands. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects or surfaces, such as remote controls and doorknobs. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. And stay home if you are sick. Call your health care provider if you develop fever, cough, or difficulty breathing. For more tips, visit cdc.gov. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Two. Virtual play dates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Three. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner Program has hosted live candidate forums for local, state, and national offices at bars, restaurants, coffee shops, and colleges. Armchair Politics has gone to Lansing, Frankenmuth, Birch Run, and Hell. Michigan, that is. We've done shows all the way to the Mighty Mac and back to the Briggs. We've done remotes from a baseball stadium in Lansing, a grocery store opening in Flint, and from a moving train. We'd like you to tell us where to go next. You can write us at TomSumnerProgram.com, call us, at 810-339-8255 or contact us on Facebook or Twitter. This is your chance to tell the Tom Sumner program where to go. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and Start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. 
alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen. In the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And now for something completely different. This is Michigan Steve's off-the-cuff rock and roll stuff from Nashville, Tennessee. Chuck Berry once said, there's nothing new under the sun. Long-distance information, give me Memphis, Tennessee. Help me find the party. Just the feel of Chuck's Memphis, compared to Jimmy Reed's Big Boss Man, is enough to show the two writers were dancing to the same drum kit. Big Boss Man is slightly slower, but it's still the same two-beat country blues feel. Profound examples include lyrics set to drastically changed musical backdrops. Everyone's heard this. Dixon penned You Need Love, recorded by Muddy Waters in 1962, might not be as well known. You got yawning, and I got funny. Baby, you look so sweet and cunning. Baby, way down inside. Woman, you need love. Woman, you need love. You got to have some love. I'm gonna give you some love. I know you need love. Just got to have love. Another example is the Rolling Stones track Prodigal Son from their 1968 album Beggar's Banquet.
boss bread Started down the road Started down the road Took all he had Started down the road Going out in this world Well, I don't know And that'll be the way To get along Well, poor boss All he had And then we have Robert Wilkins' That's No Way to Get Along, recorded at the Peabody Hotel in Memphis in September of 1929. I'm going home, rent set down, and tell my, I'm my mom, rent set down, tell my mom. I'm going home, sit down and tell my mom. I'm going home, sit down and tell my mom. Cause there's no way for me to get alone. No introduction is needed for this one. You ain't nothing but a However, its inspiration came from Big Mama Thornton's 1952 recording of the same tune. You Chuck said, there's nothing new under the sun. And as Mississippi Fred McDowell said, the blues work in many different ways. And that's that for this installment of Steve's off-the-cuff rock and roll stuff from Nashville, Tennessee. See you around campus.
Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, and you're celebrating Schlocktober with Tom Sumner. That wraps it up for today's edition of Tom Sumner uh, program. And um, I want to say thanks to all the guests who were uh, on the show today. And also um, point out that I had promoted that uh, Martin uh, Puchner was going to be, was scheduled for today. But that didn't happen. Instead, we got a chance to talk with um, author Heather Montgomery who wrote the book, uh, Who Gives a Poop? And uh, that um, actually very interesting conversation. Also want to say thanks to uh, uh, Patricia Payton about physical intelligence. And uh, also John Lane talking about his new book, uh, Red River Reunion. Um, Let's see, what do we have coming up tomorrow? Oh, I know. Uh, tomorrow's Friday, which means we have a musical guest. Greg Nagy's going to join us. He's been doing a different live song online uh, every day for 30 days. I've been collecting them. We'll hear some of those, and we'll talk with uh, Greg tomorrow on the program. And uh, I wanted to point out that that's one of my favorite Schlocktober picks of all time. Mae West singing Twist and Shout. You just can't make this stuff up, folks. A different odd and horrible recording every day in the month of October as we celebrate Schlocktober 2020. Anyway, that's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories. Let me know it's time to head down the hall to the living room. I'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock. Good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.